Testament divides the whole world into just two groups of people. Those who are friends with Jesus and those who are not. The whole world is divided into two groups of people. Those who have him as Lord and those who've rejected him. And at the back end of chapter 3 that you saw last week, we get that in high definition. Verse 36 says this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, and whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Just two groups of people. Those who believe in the Son and those who reject the Son. And you would have seen in chapter 3 that there is an encounter with a chap named Nicodemus. Uh, if you weren't here or you need reminding, Nicodemus went to church. He was a kind boss. He'd been to a good school. Everyone knew him. He was liked by all. It's sort of a cross between um, Andy and Bill Gates, if you can kind of get that picture. And John tells us this. Because Nicodemus is exactly the type of person we would expect Jesus to like. Nicodemus is the type of person we'd expect to have a fast track to heaven. And Jesus says, I don't trust him. And reading that, we might have been left thinking, crumbs, if Jesus doesn't trust Nicodemus... If Nicodemus isn't guaranteed a place in heaven, well, who on earth does Jesus trust? What hope have I got? Which brings us to our woman that we read about in chapter 4. You see, John is going to show us two people. Nicodemus, we, we met him last week, and this woman. And I think John's aim is to surprise us. He's to surprise us, to show us how wrong we are about assuming Jesus' mission for this world. You see, if we think Nicodemus is a very good person, I think we're going to think of this woman, morally at least, to be a very bad person. A really good person and a really bad person. John wants to show us these extremes. And let's compare them just very briefly before we get stuck into the text. And Nicodemus is a Jew, one of God's chosen people. This woman, we don't even know her name, is a Samaritan, a group of people hated by the Jews. Nicodemus was a big deal. Everyone wanted to hang out with him. Yet this woman was an outcast. That's why she went to the well at midday, on her own, when no one else would be around. Nicodemus was well educated. Verse 22, this woman was ignorant. Nicodemus would have been aware of the commandments, particularly the one, do not commit adultery. This woman has had multiple marriages and now she's got a new boyfriend. We can see the contrast, can't we? A very good person and a very bad person. An absolute certainty for heaven and one who's got absolutely no chance at all. It was a long reading. Let me just summarize the story. Jesus has been out walking. It's hot and he's sat down by this well, presumably to have a drink. He was sitting there alone. His, his disciples had gone off to Waitrose and as Jesus was sitting there alone, our Samaritan woman arrives. She doesn't want to meet anyone. 
She's not liked by many people. She isn't trusted. And she cannot take any more of that finger-wagging and tut-tutting. She doesn't want to meet anyone. But Jesus wants to meet her. And so he makes the first move. That is always what Jesus does, by the way. He makes the first move. And he asks her for a drink. A perfectly natural thing to do. Except it's all rather awkward. As my ten-year-old would say, hashtag orcs. Because this is a Samaritan woman and a Jewish man. So the woman is surprised. She's even shocked. And so Jesus answers her, verse 10. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Well, she just doesn't get it. She's no idea what this guy's talking about. In fact, she probably thinks he's a bit of a fool. And so Jesus goes on, verse 13. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of life, welling up to eternal life. Well, she still doesn't get it. And so Jesus goes on, verse 15. And she says, sir, give me the water so that I won't get thirsty. And Jesus says, go and get your husband. Go and get your husband. If you know anything about John's Gospel, you know there are plenty of references to weddings. There's the wedding in Cana. There's the image of Jesus and the bridegroom. And now in chapter 4, there are another two references, one obvious, one less so. The obvious one is that this woman has been married five times. She has had five weddings. I celebrated, or my wife and I celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary this year. I'm delighted I've only ever had one marriage. I love marriage, but it's hard work. This woman's had five. To take the words of that great poet, Mick Jagger, she can't get no satisfaction. And Jesus says, go and get your husband. I don't have one, says the woman. And Jesus says, I know. In fact, I know everything about you. I know you've had five previous husbands, and I know about your new boyfriend. She's got to have been surprised, hasn't she? Throughout John's Gospel, John records signs and miracles to help us know for sure that Jesus is the Son of God. And the sign here is very obvious. If Jesus has perfect knowledge of this woman, Jesus has perfect knowledge about you and I. There is nothing that we have done in our past that Jesus does not know about. Our lives are completely open. Nothing is hidden. The stuff we've said in public the stuff we have said behind closed doors, the things that we've done that people have seen, the things that we hope no one ever sees. Jesus knows your web browsing history. He knows the time you've sped over the speed limit. Our whole lives are laid out in front of him. And that should terrify us. Yet this passage gives us enormous comfort. Because like the Samaritan woman, we are invited to see 
who Jesus really is, so that we might change our view of him. This woman, first of all, sees Jesus as a stranger. Then probably a fool. He's no idea what he's talking about. Then she recognizes he's a teacher. And finally, as the penny drops, she sees him to be the saviour of the world. Jesus knows everything about this woman. And he offers her eternal life. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus knows everything about us. And he offers us eternal life as well. This woman had an empty life. She'd moved from one husband to another, desperately looking for happiness and meaning. And although, although most of us won't have been married five times, we're not that dissimilar to this woman. The world is desperate for happiness and meaning. Never more so than probably now in the midst of this virus. All those things that once made us happy, many of which were really good, hanging out with friends, going to football or rugby, visiting families, going on holiday. We can't do any of those. They have been temporarily taken away from us. And I wonder just for a moment whether God is using this time in much the same way he used the time he spent with the woman at the well. The things that brought us temporary satisfaction have proved to be useless in the face of something so small that we cannot even see it. If we are only satisfied with the things of this world, no matter how good they are, your PS4, your Nintendo Switch, your fast car, your good job, your big house, your friends on social media. If they are the things that only satisfy us, we will never be truly satisfied. Everyone who drinks that water will be thirsty again. This woman was never going to find her perfect husband and we won't find perfection in this world until we look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Because whoever drinks the water he gives will never thirst again. Jesus is the only person, he is the only thing that will really meet all of our desires, all of our wants. And this woman at the well is about to see why. In the Old Testament, Jacob, who's referenced here, was a really important person. And he met his wife at a well. His father Isaac, the son of Abraham, we all know Abraham. Well, he met his wife at a well. And Moses, the one who rescued all of God's people. Well, he met his wife at a well also. I wonder if you can join the dots Jesus turns up at the well to meet a woman who's been married five times already and he is offering her a relationship. Not a romantic one. He doesn't want to be husband number six. But he's offering an eternal relationship with God. Now, throughout the Bible, you would have seen this earlier on in John's Gospel, marriage is used as a way of describing the relationship between God and his people. And it is as powerful as it is simple. Jesus is the bridegroom. 
and the church is his bride. Jesus knows all about this woman. He knows everything about her. He knows all the things that she's done wrong. He knows she's got hardly any friends. She know, he knows all about the scandal. And he loves her so much that he's going to die for her. You see, on the cross, Jesus takes this woman's guilt and this woman's shame and he makes it his own. And in doing so, the eternal life that has been promised to this woman becomes a reality for all of us. Two people, seemingly at the opposite ends of the good person spectrum, Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman. So many differences between the two. But perhaps the biggest contrast is how both encounters with Jesus end. See, Nicodemus, he just walks off. But the woman, well, she, along with others from her community, can say, verse 42, we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. I don't know where you are this morning. And maybe you're at the Nicodemus end of the good person spectrum. Your head boy or head girl, your, your, your house captain, you're popular on social media, you live in a big house, you own multiple suits, or maybe you're so successful you don't own any suits. Can I say that you're very welcome? I hope to spend forever with you. But please don't look for satisfaction in those things that you've got. You see, the challenge for people at that end of the spectrum is if they're really honest, they don't actually think they need Jesus at all. But maybe you're nearer the Samaritan woman end of the spectrum. You've been on the end of someone else's poor life choices. And maybe you're carrying a level of guilt about things that you've done in the past. Can I say you are also very welcome and I hope to spend forever with you. But the problem for people at this end of the spectrum is they think they're so bad that they have no place in heaven. They're beyond Jesus' forgiveness. And so my message to you is please don't be ashamed of anything that you've done because Jesus died to take that shame and he died to take that guilt. And he is choosing to meet with you this morning. There is nothing hidden in your life that Jesus does not know about. He knows your equivalent of five husbands. He knows your every act and your every thought. And he wants to spend forever with you. Not to tell you off, but to have you as his bride. That is the life-changing truths of these verses. There is nothing that Jesus doesn't know about us. He knows everything, and he loves us just the same. And that is something that no other person and no other thing in the world can offer. And so my question this morning is a very simple one. Do you believe that this man, Jesus, is the saviour of the world? Will you drink the living water that comes only from Jesus? Or are you drinking from a cup that will be forever empty? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you 
that your son chose to meet this woman, full of scandal and shame. We thank you too that he chose to die for her and take her scandal and her shame and make it his own. Please, Lord, would you do a work in us? For those of us who have your son as Lord, would we share this good news with everyone that we meet? And for those here this morning who are still making up their minds about your son, still trying to figure him out, please soften their hearts to receive him, to receive the living water that will spring up as eternal life. So be with us, Lord, we pray in your son's name. Amen.